when you're surrounded by other sensitive people, there is this openness and patience and understanding that kind of comes with just giving people the space and the slowness to express themselves. So that's something that I think I'm able to do in my work quite well and allows other people to feel seen and known as well. Welcome to the Sensitive Success Podcast. I'm Frida Carbo, founder of Sensitive Success Circle, the mastermind for sensitive coaches and change makers who want to create success in their way with the help of their sensitivity. I have spent the last decade recreating my life. I moved from Sweden to New Zealand with my husband and two kids, working online, creating the life and business that I love with a mission to help others do the same. One of the things I learned is that we have so much wisdom inside when we learn to trust and take aligned action. And even though we're responsible for our journey, we don't have to do it alone. I do this work because I'm committed to helping highly sensitive, introverted, intuitive coaches and changemakers to do the work they are called to do in a way that works for them. I know it's possible and creates so many ripples. My intention with these episodes is for you to be inspired, empowered, and to know that you're not alone in your business adventure. If you haven't already, come over and connect with me on Instagram at Frida Carbo. Thank you for being here because it means that you're creating sensitive success too, which is precisely what the world needs. Welcome. Melissa Renzi is a licensed social worker, trauma-informed yoga teacher, and sensitive community builder who has been organizing global retreats since 2016. She's on a mission to bring highly sensitive people together to engage their innate strength in service of both individual and collective well-being. Her retreats offer sensitive people an opportunity to learn about their sensitivity, experience belonging with like-minded travelers, and get to know the world and its people in ways that honor sensitivity. I'm looking forward to hear Melissa's perspective on how we can create retreats that work for highly sensitive people, and also what we can think about when we look at going on retreats ourselves. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you, Frida. It's good to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. So let us know a bit more about your journey and how you come to work with retreats for highly sensitive people. My background is in social work, as you just uh, shared in the introduction. And I, I mean, I worked in various capacities as a social worker for a long time. And I feel like there's a lot of different things I could go into here. A lot of people ask me this question, and I will be really honest in saying that it's challenging for me to stay concise in explaining all the different pieces that led me to the current work that I do today with highly sensitive people and leading retreats. What originally led me to lead retreats for highly sensitive people? Well, initially my partner and I actually began this with leading trips for introverts and I added highly sensitive people later once I began learning more about my own sensitivity. I had already been leading women's retreats, yoga retreats in other countries to get to know local cultures and surroundings. And we had had a, you know, a travel experience or two. And then I started reflecting on many other experiences that I had in which, you know, just being with people that maybe we love and are close to, but being in uh, a group setting or in a social setting where we were constantly ex- like needing to be engaged or in really highly stimulating environments, all of those kinds of things that, you know, you have this wonderful trip, but that at the end, you'd end up feeling absolutely 
exhausted by some of the things that we were doing or the pace of the schedule and whatnot. So at the time when we began with introverts, it was sort of looking at, you know, what would it be like to bring people together that need a slower pace of being able to communicate with each other and and explore their surroundings, absorb their surroundings and be able to experience the world in other cultures exactly as they are, but with more of a supportive structure that allows for a lot of free time, time to process experiences, and also a lot of the agreements that can be put in place so that people really feel free from judgment. So if we look at the tweaks that you made when you realized that you were highly sensitive and you wanted to to create retreats for highly sensitives, what difference did it make? And what is the difference to a normal retreat? So... I would say that many retreats, I would say it's okay to like bow out of an activity, right? Like there isn't necessarily, people aren't going to make it mandatory that you show up to everything. But one of the things that we do is explicitly say that you are really, you know, welcome to honor your needs to tend to what, you know, tend to your own rhythm in any given moment. So I have people that come on retreats that you know, don't intend to come to a yoga class or ever, and they never step foot in the yoga space and that's okay. Right. Or people that will bow out of maybe like the retreat highlight that most people are going to a part of the world to see, and they decide that they just need to do something slower and sit back on, you know, on a given day and just recognizing that all of that is, you know, is okay and welcome. And that can really give people that are coming a sense of, you know, it's okay to be this way. It's okay to, um, to tend to my needs. And, you know, really by doing that, we're also, you know, reminding others that they're okay too. Yeah. sounds beautiful. I, I really like the sound of having retreats for highly sensitive persons because it's, I love traveling but it's also quite overwhelming. Like you go, go away on, on vacation and then you need a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. You know, I do think that sometimes with, because a lot of times when I'm leading retreats, sometimes they're closer to home for people, but sometimes they're further across the world. And so there is an element of like when you're traveling on an airplane and through an airport and those kinds of things that can still be tiring. So people might, you know, have a wonderful experience traveling and meeting other people and experiencing a place and then feel exhausted after that flight home or whatever it is. But the one thing that I do consistently seem to hear from people is after they're back home and integrating with life, sometimes there can be some challenges with that. But at the same time, what I do hear is that there are all these like subtle kinds of shifts, sometimes profound shifts, but all kinds of subtle changes of just how they see themselves, how they see their own needs, how they see their own strengths how they see their relationships and their place in the world. And that seems to continue to grow. So even if there's that like moment of exhaustion, you know, it's temporary. So important to just step away from your normal routine and your normal environment for a bit and get some perspectives. Yeah. Beautiful. So I call this the Sensitive Success Podcast. So what is success to you? So to me, success goes really beyond many quantitative kinds of measures and is much more qualitative for me. 
And so beyond, you know, like money or how many people I'm serving or anything like that and needing it to be like really big or, you know, this kind of grand project in some sort of way, I would say that success to me is, am I really helping to create and build healthier systems, healthier relationships for sensitive people, but also surrounding society as well. So just kind of always connecting back with that. So in that, I would say I'm looking at when people show up to the online HSP circles that I have, which is really like a facilitated sharing space, or when people show up to retreats, are they walking away feeling more seen? Are they able to actually see their own strengths in a different way? Are people walking away with new relationships, right? Like relationships that actually endure or lasting connections in some way. And then I'm also always kind of pushing this a little bit more. And I think I'm still working through this in some ways in the work that I'm doing, but encouraging people to contribute and steward their communities and environment in some way. Like how do we actually use our strengths that we have of insensitivity to support our surrounding relationships and systems? Yeah, that's an important question. So how do you use your sensitivity? as a superpower? Well, I would say one thing, maybe this relates to empathy in some way. We know that highly sensitive people tend to have a great amount of empathy and compassion. I would say in my work and in in my personal life too, I really am able to show up fully to the person, to the people that are in front of me. And this is the same exact thing that I see in the the clients that I work with, whether it's retreat guests, whether it's people in a circle, that people are really showing up in a way where they're not just listening, but genuinely curious. Um, And I think that that's something that I embody in my own life and my own work and, and whatnot. I think that there's a slowness involved with that. Even right now, like as we're talking, I'm feeling like I'm fumbling for my words. And this is something that I experience and other people, other HSPs experience at times that I've seen where we get a little frustrated at times when we're like less than articulate. articulate. (laughs) And when you're surrounded by other sensitive people, there's this openness and patience and understanding that kind of comes with just giving people the space and the slowness to express themselves. So that's something that I think I'm able to do in my work quite well and allows other people to feel seen and known as well. Powerful, yeah. I think the other thing too, this would be like a a double-edged sword in a sense, but a lot of highly sensitive people tend to be deep thinkers which means I think we also tend to be pretty flexible thinkers. And sometimes we see such complexity that that can be frustrating and it can kind of immobilize us with certain kinds of decision-making and whatnot. And at the same time, it allows us to bring in more nuance to conversation, to stay open to like changing our minds about something Yeah, to see all these different intricacies and whatever it is that we're talking about in a given moment. And I think sometimes that's not always a thing that we 
fully process in a moment and we're able to express verbally what that feels like for us. But at the same time, it's kind of integrating on other levels, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And what you're saying about like we're seeing thing so much of the picture that sometimes it can be easy to get stuck in that and not take action because we understand all the different nuances and then we're looking for the right way to go or the right thing to do. But yes. It's just about <laughs> taking action. Yeah, exactly. And actually, you know, that brings me, I was talking to my partner before we did this, because I was like, what do you think are my superpowers that I bring to my work? Just trying to narrow it down for myself, right? Because I'm like, well, I don't want to suggest that I like, oh, I have so many strengths, right? Or whatever. But sometimes it's just challenging to narrow down. (laughs) We all do, right? But at the same time, I was like, what, you know, I don't know, what, what can I focus on here? And what he said was, you know, not that this may or may not be something that is specific to highly sensitive people. It may be, but just that he sees me as someone who's very in in integrity in my work. And I'm not going to suggest that all highly sensitive people running a business are fully in integrity, (laughs) but I do think that many of us are and at different layers of like considering ethics and such. So I'm constantly considering everything that I do, that I say in my business, which can be can keep me stuck at times. But there's also something really important in that where I'm considering like, is, is there potential to harm here? Is there potential to hurt someone? I never want to sacrifice the ethics of and you know the values that I'm working for in this world for the sake of my business or money or anything else or like sleazy marketing techniques and or tactics and things like that. Love that. I, I meet a lot of highly sensitive people out there that have that, that are really willing to look at themselves and, you know, want to do what's right, even though there's not always one thing that's right, but are at least considerate of a lot of different factors. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree on that as well. The more we tune into what feels right to us, we also want to do right and have that bigger purpose with what we're doing is what I'm seeing with highly sensitives as well. Yeah, mm, definitely. Yeah. So if someone is listening to this and they want to create a retreat as a highly sensitive, do you have some pointers that they can think about? If they wanted to create like a personal retreat? Yeah. Or for the or, or for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you have to one first get clear on like what the purpose of that retreat is. I do know other people that run retreats for highly sensitive people and might be more focused on the educational aspect or bringing people into like a peaceful setting that really supports the needs of sensitivity. For me, I've done a lot of travel. I've lived in other parts of the world. I know the richness that comes and the growth that comes with experiencing other places and stepping outside of our comfort zone. It doesn't have to be super far outside of our comfort zone, but I, I know, you know, the richness that comes from that. So for me, I was always interested in how do I bring people to maybe even fairly stimulating cultures at times, but not constantly be in that environment where it gets so overwhelming, right? So, you know, someone else may have a different purpose. Mine has been to create the structure, to create the agreements, to create the overall environment 
that allows for highly sensitive people to be themselves, to not be depleted, to maybe be able to test their edges a little bit, to be able to interface with people from other cultures, but then, you know, in a way that really still allows for a lot of time to, to process, to recharge, to, to relax and to absorb where they're at. So I would say that would be, you know, the most central piece. Yeah, because I think that there's, there might be people listening to this, and I know that lots of my clients want to create their own retreat, but they find it too overwhelming. And uh, mm-hmm. but there are so many, so many things, and how do they do that? But that's a great point, like really structure it in a way that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, structuring it in the way that it works that in that sense, but you bring up a good point in terms of like, it's a lot to be both the planner and logistics person and a retreat facilitator at the same time to wear both of those hats. I've done it many times. I've done it in a way where I've had an assistant and I've done it where I'm like wearing all the hats. And I definitely prefer having someone else that is handling the logistics, at least on the ground. I still really love curating trips and doing all the planning ahead of time, even though it can be a lot and it can be stressful at times. To me, it's entirely worth it because of the experiences that people have and come away with. But I think somebody who's looking to organize their first retreat, there are a lot of, I don't, I don't have any to name off the top of my head today, but there are a lot of companies out there that are able to put together, you know, a trip and handle all those logistics. So it might be worth partnering with someone like that. Why do you think it's so important to create retreats for highly sensitive? Why do you think we need retreats? I mean, to me, like the retreats are really a vital you know, it, it's it's a container for a moment in time that allows us to come together with other people that may have also been called too sensitive, may feel like outsiders and be curious about it or just feel like there's something wrong with them. And that retreat environment, when you're with other people, allows you to see some of the same qualities that you have within yourself and the other people that are there, right? And you kind of have this potential to see some of those qualities in other people as admirable qualities, right? Of sensitivity, and then realize that you embody those yourself as well. Uh, So I think that that's one incredibly important piece is just that felt sense of, of belonging and being able to see oneself in a new way being able to also see our, the surrounding world in a new way, I think also opens up different possibilities when we're in a, an environment that's different from what we're used to, whether that's with the people in the retreat or the people in another country or a different landscape, whatever that is, that has potential to impact us as well. Um, another question that comes up is, the retreat hangover like after you've been on the retreat do you have any tips there on how to because sometimes as as you say you go into this bubble you have this profound experience and then Mm -hmm. you're going back to your normal environment and it can feel really confronting or overwhelming to be back in the same space again right yeah well there, there can be multiple things that people experience right people feel a sense of of loss of those connections and being in, you know, back home where maybe people may or may not understand 
what that experience was like or, you know, their sensitivity or other aspects of who they are. So, of course, people sometimes do go through feeling just exhausted or feeling sad afterwards or just not knowing fully how to integrate back in. I always let people know during the retreat that those feelings are normal, that people are, um, you know, people often experience a lot of discomfort and readjusting. And also just to remember that most of the time those, you know, those feelings are temporary. Of course, they're not always. And sometimes there are legitimate reasons and times when people need to seek professional help. One of the things we've been doing more recently is having ongoing like WhatsApp groups. So my all the retreat groups stay connected, you know, before, during, and after, and continue to share what they're up to, you know, tools and resources and you know, words of inspiration and things like that, and are continually supporting each other, which has been really nice. And I'm also there kind of seeing what's happening in those conversations and tending to what might need a little bit more support or who might need a little bit more support. But I think the biggest thing I would say is like to give yourself a little bit of time if possible when you get home. I think for me, there were a lot of times I've taken trips where I just decided I wanted to extend my travel time as much as I could. And then I would hit the road running like the next day after flying. And I know not everybody has the luxury of adding extra days, but if you can plan a little bit more time to before going back to work and things like that, I think that it can be nice to just have the time to land, to ground, to continue with maybe a particular practice that you had established during a week and kind of keeping that ritual going and allow that to continue to, to flourish in your home practice and everyday life. People who are parents and things like that, I to- I'm not. <laughs> so I totally understand that there are a lot of other things that make it really, really challenging. But that's also a piece of the work that I do, why I have chosen not to center myself as the one that's like teaching this magical program that's going to change your life is that I really do not just believe, but have seen the impact of how people sharing with one another and connecting with one another is much more long lasting. And people are able to share things that like not one person can never teach, right? So people, when you have 12, 14 different people uh, sharing their life experiences, their stories, you know, this tool, this research, this program that helped them. And you might want to try this out. There's a lot more possibility in that rather than like one person, you know, teaching a top-down approach to, you know, changing your life in some way. And when that happens though, when those there's more nurturance toward like the group relationships and all those people building different connections. Those are the relationships and the connections that continue to last and can be supportive as people go home as well. So people can stay connected. They have more people to talk to, to reach out to in those difficult times. Love that. Sounds very supporting. Yeah. Great. And is there anything else you would like to add? You know, one of the things I just wanted to highlight is just recognizing that our purpose oftentimes changes over a lifetime. I think many of us can get really stuck in needing to find like that one thing that we are meant to do, whatever 
that means. And some people are that, like some people find that one thing and sometimes it's very, they're very young, they're very old, whatever it is. And they're like, this is it. But I think for a lot of highly sensitive people, we may have multiple passions, things that we care about, areas of interest, skills, and we may apply those in different ways throughout life. So, you know, I've been leading retreats now for the last set about seven years or so. At this point, I'm still going to continue doing this, but I'm already feeling like it's time for some kind of shift. I'm not sure what that is and we'll see what that is, but just kind of remembering that you're not married to one path, that it's possible to try something out, do it for a period of time. I think it's really important to for people to have for highly sensitive people to be in a job or to, you know, what if you're creating your own work in some way to allow for slowness, um, to allow for space in that, uh, to take breaks, to take rest, but also just to to process, particularly if you're dealing with a lot of um, other people's emotions and trauma. For me, especially as I was working as a social worker, it was really important for, I could deal with and, you know, do well with positions that involved a lot of challenge and a lot of trauma and hearing about a lot of trauma and witnessing things. But it was absolutely vital that I had time in the workday to to breathe, to let tears out in the bathroom or whatever it was. And so I think the pace of what we're doing is really important. And the final thing that I wanted to just, I think, say is there's a thing that keeps us stuck sometimes when We think that whatever we're doing needs to be really big and change the world and needs to be on a large scale. I'm sort of that like go big, go home thing, which I think most of us understand is like that we don't need to go big. Like maybe we do want to go home, especially those of us who are introverts, we do want to go home too. And at the same time, we still do get stuck there in kind of finding like that right thing. And so just recognizing that, you know, the small things that we do, the people that we touch make a difference. You know, one of my friends, she's an activist, Kari Williams, a coach for activists actually. But, you know, I think she's given the example of, you know, you could spend all this time figuring out how to feed a thousand people or a million people or whatever it is. And that's important. Like we need to do that. And at the same time, you know, that one person in front of you that eats is going to to be impacted and is going to be grateful and you know we can't forget the the smaller scale and impact that we can have uh, in smaller communities and and such. Such a great point. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I hope that this podcast will affect at least one person. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much for sharing with us and for the work that you do in the world. Yeah, thank you, Frida. Thank you for your work as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This podcast is put together for you to see what is possible and how to use your sensitivity to create success in your way. If you know anyone who would find this conversation useful, please share. And if you share this on social media, tag me in and I would love to reshare it. Come over and connect with me on Insta at Frida Carbo and tell me your biggest takeaway from this episode. Thank you for listening and remember to keep shining so that those who need your help can find you.